We are in our series right now. If you've never been to Northview Young Adults, uh, my name is Daniel, as Andy mentioned. I'm on staff here with Young Adults. And uh, we're in a series where we're talking about Jesus, which you come to a church, hey, look at that. But uh, what we've been doing is we've been working through uh, Jesus before his birth. So we looked at uh, you know, all the prophecies and stuff which, and, and the predictions made about who this Jesus was going to be. Then uh, Christmas happened, which is Jesus' birth. And now we're working through his life. And so we've been looking at different attributes of Jesus and different attributes about who he is. And tonight, we are talking about Jesus, the healer. And uh, we were, as we were talking, as Livia had wanted to come and, and, and share and come, thank you guys. It was like, it makes sense to talk about this. And so we're going to be looking at a text of scripture this evening that I love. And I've been wanting to do this one for a long time. And it's about Jesus as the healer. And I think about all the time that um, when, when, if you've been around the church for a long time, people will talk about healing. And uh, you, you'll hear that God has healed people. And maybe if you haven't grown up in the church or you're, you're not yet a Christian, you're just checking this out, you might hear that and think it's kind of wacky. And I think that's just kind of our, our natural inclination of living in the Western world. We, you know, we believe in medicine, and, but we hear about the, he- the healing stories that happen around in other places in the Eastern world. I was talking to a friend recently. I said, hey, have you ever, like when you went abroad, did you ever see any healing? And, uh, and she said, you know, I, we pray for people and we do stuff, and, but I do remember one time, um, you know, like we prayed, I don't know if if it healed later or happened right away. But I do remember one time that I prayed for my foot and it got healed right away while I was abroad. And she's like, why can't that happen now uh, in North America? And, uh, but healing does happen. I, I find I'm just so skeptical about it here. And then Livia comes walking out. And uh, God does heal. He does. And he has always been with us, and he's always in control. And so tonight, we're going to look at a text of scripture that shows this. This is from Matthew, or from Mark chapter 5. This is the story about the woman and uh, Jairus and the two healings that happen here. Okay? So we're going to be looking at this passage from Mark 5. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story, and then I have three headings, and the three headings are this. We're going to look at, we're going to learn something about Jesus' timing, Jesus' power, and Jesus' true healing. Jesus' timing, Jesus' power, and Jesus' true healing. Let's look at the text together. If you have a Bible or you have it on your phone, I'm reading out the NIV. Uh, the verse will be on the screen, but follow along here. This is Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. And while he was by the lake... Then one, came, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal of uh, under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, 
And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowded against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. With people crying and wailing loudly, he went in and said to them, why, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. So we're going to be looking at this text today, and we're going to be learning about Jesus and how he interacts with us. And so uh, just as we begin, let me give you a little bit of the background of what's happening here. Jesus is, this is kind of at the beginning of his ministry, and so he's beginning to do certain things. And in the Gospel of Mark, there are two other kind of major miracles that happen right before this. The first is the, the famous story of Jesus being in the boat, and they're on the stormy seas, and the disciples are terrified, and we're going to get off this boat, we're going to die. Jesus, how can you be sleeping in the boat? And the, the weird thing about these boats is they weren't honestly even larger than maybe half the stage. So Jesus just tucked away in the side of the boat while everyone's screaming for their lives, and he's completely asleep. And there's this moment where Jesus comes up, and he says to the water, just be still, quiet. And the, and the sea is just, and the, the disciples are absolutely terrified, completely terrified. Who is this man who even the wind and the seas obey him? So that happens. The next event that happens is Jesus is going through the town and he comes in contact with someone who is demon-possessed, right? Under a massive spiritual attack. And as he's interacting with this man, he says, uh, the, the, the guy comes running up to him and says, uh, you're Jesus. And he says, okay, yeah, what's your name? He says, well, my name is Legion, for we are many. And Jesus says, to the demons, leave and go into those pigs. And this is the famous story about all the pigs. They leave, uh, the demons go into these, there's 2,000 pigs that run off a cliff and die. And that happens and the disciples stand there like, oh my goodness. And so now this, this is the third story. And so if you, if you imagine that, they've probably already seen some things that have been kind of wild. They continue to just see things that would probably just absolutely amaze them. And so as we begin, let me just uh, read to you again the beginning of the story. Then I want to do kind of like a character study with you because there is an interesting uh, interplay that happens between Jairus and this woman. And, and uh, Mark is intentional about showing you this. So look at this. Verse 21, when Jesus again had crossed over the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. 
Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and saw Jesus and fell at his feet. Now, uh, the synagogue in Jesus' time, this is referring to the place of worship. So kind of like where we have Northview Church, right? And there's lots of different churches um, in Abbotsford. Back then, you had kind of your main synagogue, your main church that people would go to worship. And Jairus is a leader there. We don't know if he's uh, actually like the one who leads the services, but what we, we learn is he's kind of a, a person of high standing in the community. Like everyone knows Jairus. They would know his daughter. They know. So when Jairus comes, that's a big deal. And when Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus, that's just not something that you do. You wouldn't go and just uh, lie prostrate like that at someone's feet. That is, that is a symbol of a complete surrender and saying, I, I need help here. So Jairus, this high synagogue leader, comes, and he's meeting, lying uh, at Jesus' feet. And he, and he asks and implores him, hey, come. Can you just please come heal my daughter? I hear you doing amazing things. Would you come? So, so Jesus goes with him. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. Uh, most scholars tend to think that there's some sort of, um, that the bleeding that she has has to do uh, with, um, with her menstruation and the, the, uh, it would not stop. Okay, so what this meant is that she, she was just constantly bleeding and she was now unclean. Okay. So uh, what this meant also is she, she can't go to temple because she's now unclean because she's, she's bleeding. So she's known widely in the community too, except she is not up here like Jairus. She is down here, and she is not someone that a lot of people would be around. Okay? Jairus, the woman. But she comes to Jesus, and she, she comes and, and basically like jostles through the crowd and, and, and tries to, uh, to just touch his robe because out of, out of faith, she thinks that, hey, I can be healed. If, and maybe she overheard Jairus say, uh, can you heal my daughter? And well, if you can go heal Jairus' daughter, he can heal me. And so she pushes through the crowd. And uh, this wouldn't have been uncommon in a market as you're pushing through the crowd in a market. Um, is, you know, it's a busy place. So you push through. I remember being at uh, Jesus' favorite band, uh, Jesus' favorite band, Mumford & Sons. I was at the Mumford & Sons concert. And uh, this is the one, maybe some of you were there. It was in Surrey. It was outdoors. I waited outside uh, in line so that I could book it to the front and stand and hold the railing and uh, have front row. I'd never been in front row in a concert. So I was like, this is the time. So as we're waiting in line, it was a hot day, and I thought to myself, I need to drink water to stay hydrated. And so I did. And right before we went in, someone else was like, oh, I can't drink in this water bottle. I'm like, I'll drink it. I'm not afraid. I drank, threw back this water bottle, threw it. Doors open. I beeline it. And the best part is, like, there's the security people. Uh, please walk. Please walk. Please walk. And you, like, kind of <laughs> just spring right by them. And uh, so I'm gone. I grab the railing at the front. Uh, it's like two hours go by. Finally, there's 1,000. I think there's 18,000 people at this concert. Something just enormous. Maybe not 18. Maybe eight. The point is... <laughs> The point is, there's a lot of people at this concert, okay? So I'm standing there at the front. Opening act begins. And I'm not enjoying myself, <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, I really got to go. And, uh, like, I'm not enjoying any of this. 
And I'm thinking, can I find a water bottle or something? Because there's no way that I can get back, uh, leave and get back. And, uh, and so then the second act begins. I'm like, seriously, I'm going to explode. I cannot do this. And so it took everything within me. I just said, nope. And I turn around, push my way through um, all of these people and got to the back, did my thing. Okay, now what do I do? I'm trying to get back to the front. <laughs> so I took my phone out of my pocket and I put it to my ear. And I just began to just push my way through the crowd, just left and right, left and right. And the dirty looks, I tell you what, I was getting, and, uh, but the, the helpful thing is I was a little bit bigger this time because I was, I was playing football, I was lifting weights, and so I was <clears throat> pushing through, pushing through the crowd, but I had my phone pretending, yeah, I'm coming, yeah, 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 right? <laughs> Get to the front, right? But you're at a concert, everyone pushes around, pushes through, it's a mosh pit, whatever. The point being, in the market, this would have been a normal thing. Uh, people are used to this pushing. But Jesus noticed this, this weird thing happen, right, where the power leaves him. And he notices it. And this woman also notices it because she's instantly healed. You can imagine for 12 years having an ailment and being in enormous pain, and that's gone instantly, and the shock that comes upon her. So this, this little miracle happens right here. And so let's keep reading. Large crowd pressed, uh, followed and pressed around on the woman there. And then uh, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up from behind the crowd, touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now this is where it gets really interesting because Jesus stops. And the scene that's being painted at the beginning is you have Jairus who's saying, come on, Jesus, get in the pickup truck. We're going to go, and we're going to go save. And you can just imagine Jesus getting in the back of the pickup truck, uh, boom, driving to Jairus' house, and uh, the, the music, da, 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 the hair blowing on Jesus as it's going by, and we're going to go save Jairus' daughter. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stop, 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 stop. And the, moment, the momentum's gone. And this is weird. And he gets out, right? And, it's, and, and now he's beginning to talk with this, this woman and begins to share with her. And he's saying, who touched me? I felt the power leave me. What, what is, who is this? And, and uh, the woman finally comes forward and says, it was, it was me. And he says, your, your faith has healed you. And he has this moment in this interplay here. And they begin to talk. Jesus like, let's go. Let's go, let's hurry up. Isn't this kind of, it's, it's just a strange, strange thing that you see here. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, and then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And then the interesting piece, right? Time has run out. And you can almost imagine they're at the right, like right in front of the, the door of the house. And the servant comes out and says, oh, there's Jesus. And uh, it's too late. Uh, your daughter's dead, Jairus. And the, the grief that would come from that. And the pain and, and, the, and, the, and the frustration being so close. Like, why'd you waste your time there, Jesus? You just heal her and then come heal my daughter. Jesus goes into this house and uh, deals with the people and says, why are you crying? Why are you, what's, 
What's the big deal? And he says to them, you know, takes the, the mother and father, takes his closest disciples, says, don't be afraid, just believe. And they're all laughing at him. Don't be afraid, just believe. And he goes in and he raises this little girl. This amazing scene. Now, there's something really significant that happens. After he raises her up, Talitha Kum, which um, uh, that was the, the, the language of the day, Talitha Kum, like, get up, come on. He's just saying, little girl, come on, get up. It's really simply. And she gets up, and he gives her something to eat. And that's to show that she's not like a, um, she's not just a, an imaginary person, but she's physical, and she's eating physical food. And so, which, by the way, is foreshadowing to Jesus um, being resurrected and then uh, also eating physical food. But that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> Do not be afraid, he says. Just believe. Now, you could end the sermon there, and that's actually a lot of times probably how it's preached. Uh, you could say, like, uh, the main point of this is we need to not be afraid, and we just need to believe in Jesus, and there you go. That's it. And this is a, this is a true thing about the passage, right? Believe, have faith. These are, these are good things. But there are more layers here. I think what Jesus is getting at with this He's saying, don't be afraid, just believe. And what he's saying is, don't you see I'm actually in complete control here? I'm I'm in complete control. And I've I've actually been in complete control this entire time. Remember the storm? I was in complete control there. Remember those, those pigs? I was in complete control, and now I'm in complete control here. I have control over nature. I have control over the spiritual realm. I have control over the living realm and death itself. So all all the the anxiousness that you have, don't, don't be afraid. Believe in me. You just see what I just did? Believe. And everyone obviously is completely shocked completely floored by this event that happens. Don't be afraid, just believe. And he awakens this little girl. And so look, that was the story. I just want to point out three things, okay? First thing is this, Jesus' timing, the nature of Jesus' timing. So the thing that's humming in the background this entire passage is time. We got to hurry up. We gotta hurry up. You gotta come save my daughter right now. And then you imagine that it's the ambulance is on its way. We gotta rush, speed. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then Jesus gets out, right? And he completely slows it down, disrupts the entire speed of everything. And then he goes and he, he begins to minister to this lady and, and, and actually maybe spends, like, why are you spending so much time with her when we gotta get over here? And what you see is Jesus isn't playing in our human time zone. Like he's in control of time itself. And he sits outside of it by his, by his God knowledge and he can sit outside of time and he can go and, and spend a moment right now with this new, new believer, this new disciple, this person who's just healed. Someone who hasn't been talked to in years, someone who's been an outcast and he's spending this time with her right now. 
And in the background, everyone's losing their minds because now all our time's gone. And the question that I have for you is, is it possible that Jesus is actually up to way more than you think? At all times, when we, when we have Jesus on a schedule, we're trying to say, hey, you gotta, uh, we, we have to meet this deadline, God. Uh, you got to come heal Jairus' daughter. Jesus has more going on than just healing Jairus' daughter. We see that in this text. He takes this moment to interact here with her. It takes time to disciple it. And so, look, let me share part of my experience around uh, that prayer night uh, with, uh, with Livia, okay? This is an amazing moment where the Lord actually really had, uh, he met with me, okay? And uh, it showed that, man, there's, there's much more going on here. As I'm standing at the back, um, let, me, let me go back a few more days, okay? Uh, Tuesday morning, I wake up, and I had a dream about this guy, Jason, that I went to high school with. Totally random uh, dream. Basically, the dream was I was like in my car and he's coming walking out of his apartment complex and literally all it was was, Jason! I yell at him and I just, just drive away, like speed away. And I wake up. That morning, I'm meeting with uh, my friend Nathan and we're talking back and forth. And he said, dude, craziest thing last night, man. I had this dream about Jason because we both went to high school with him and played football with him. And he said, oh, he said I had this dream about, Nathan, Nathan, or about Jason. I said, you serious? I did too. It was great. I'm like, we gotta, we got to like get in contact with him or something, dude, because that's, that's got to be from the Lord. That night, I'm driving home from Chilliwack, and I call, I call Nathan about something else, and he, he tells me, hey, dude, um, you'll never guess who my parents just ran into. I'm like, who? Jason. I was like, we need to follow up with this guy, man. So uh, the next day, it's Wednesday. And it was a crazy day, planning all this stuff, and, uh, and just all the news about Livia was just so intense. And, uh, and so I'm here at the back, and people are gathering, and they're singing, and they're worshiping. And there's people who are, have been at church for a long time, people who have never stepped foot in the church before coming. And I'm standing back there, watching all this happen, and being like, wow, the Lord is he's moving in ways I can't understand. Do you know who comes walking through that door? Jason. And I'm... I hope he didn't see that, right? Just, and, uh, and he comes walking up. Jason, so good to see you, bro. Like, wh- why are you here? Well, I work with Livia. And I wanted to just come and support. And so he did. He came and sat down. And then do you know who comes walking in right after? My friend Nathan. <laughs> He's here. And so I, I tell him, I'm like, you got to go. We got to go talk to him, man. This is just too much. So he goes and sits. Uh, I tell him, like, Nathan, go sit kind of there so you can intercept Jason on his way out. And so super sneaky, but like so natural. And, uh, and so he's there. And, uh, and he ends up chatting with him. And we have this discussion uh, with Jason for about an hour after this service about his life, about all of these things happening and all these downs, ups and downs he had been in. And now here he is in a church seeing people worship the one true living God. And he's, he's sharing about the spirituality he's been trying to follow. And now he's seeing people doing the exact same thing. What are the coincidences here? Could it be that God has been up to more than we initially thought? And then the weekend continues, right? What, what the passage that that Jeff preached on that following Sunday. Oh, the depths and the riches of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his ways and his paths beyond tracing out. And I'm sitting there going, oh. 
I just wonder about every single one of you, there's all these things going on. You're just seeing this, this small situation, but on the outside of it, there's so much more going on that we never initially have thought about. Now, one of the things I love about this story is there's this moment when, uh, when Jesus now goes in to meet with the girl who's dead, by the way, because while you were wasting your time over there, Jesus, now she's dead. And he goes in there, and he says to this little girl, Talitha Kum, right? Little girl, get up. And, and the, how, how the, the original language, the way that it actually expresses that, isn't just little girl, get up. It's, honey, get up. Like, like a dad with his little daughter. With his daughter. Time to get up. And he, and he reaches through death, and he wakes her up. So you see this, you see the tenderness in Jesus, tender with this woman, now tender with this little daughter. Get up. Why would you rush someone like that? He sits outside of time. Why would you rush him? Don't you see how his, his tender heart and how he's in complete control of the entire thing? Why would you rush him? Is it possible that we've made an idol out of time, that we, we, we think that we have to have all these things lined up in our life? I have to get my degree and then get this job happening, and I have to get married by this certain time and start having kids by this certain time, and we feel like we have this pressure crushing down on us because time is of the essence. We say, Lord, why wouldn't you come and, and, and bring this into my life now? Why would you rush your Savior? He loves you. He knows what's best for you. Talitha Kuhn. He's saying, I can, I can do all this stuff on my timing. So maybe you need to humble yourself and sit before the Lord in his timing. Okay, second thing, and you're going to have to listen a lot faster right now, okay? <laughs> the second thing is this. It's the relationship between power and faith. What do I mean by power? What is, what is it talking about? The, the idea that Jesus, as God, has this ability to uh, have complete control over, like I said, the spiritual world, the natural world, and now life and death itself. He has this, this ability to, to make the molecules of this dead person, the soul, ascend and rise out of this person. And we, we say, that is so uh, crazy to think about. But this is what we're seeing in the scripture and everything that's happening here. And so one of the questions I have when I look at this text is why is this woman so afraid? Right after she touches him and she receives that the power leaves Jesus, why is she so scared when we talk about Jesus in this way? In this way? Why is she so scared? And one of the reasons that some commentators and scholars will say is because, well, she's unclean. And the fact that she just touched Jesus now makes him unclean. And so if he's getting mad, who touched me, what are the ramifications for her who just now made someone unclean? But when one who is unclean touches the one who is the only clean thing in the world, she, she's changed and she's healed and she's made clean. And this is crazy transfer where her faith brings... and. and it brings result, and, and the Lord heals her in that moment. And Jesus begins to respond and interact with her. 
power over nature, power over supernatural, and power over death, this self. I was just at a conference, and uh, there's a Scottish guy talking about power. And he kept saying, the power, <laughs> the power of Jesus. And um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> the power. Um, I, I feel like we often underestimate the power of Jesus. And I hope that the story of, of Livia shows you that. I was sitting um, at my desk the other day. And I, I had one of the largest surprises of my life. See, I've been following the, the story of Livia. Maybe many of you have been on the Facebook group as they're doing updates about her health and getting better and getting better and getting better. And I'm watching these, and some of them, uh, I'm reading, I'm like, I'm encouraged, and then I'm discouraged. And the one that just broke me, because in my mind, God, you can, you can heal Livia. I know you can. I know you can. But what broke me was when I, when I listened and I read that there was some major strokes, and that she just might be staring at the wall, as Andy talked about. Like she, the Livia that you knew was gone. And I, I, that crushed me. And, uh, and so it, it, like, I still believed that God could heal. But I didn't believe that God could heal inside here. So I'm sitting at my desk, and, and we start to hear. I mean, and Andy comes back, and he's been praying for her, and he says, "It's not looking good, Danny." Like, and he said it to me. He's like, "It looks like we might be praying, like preparing for a funeral." He comes to me, and uh, and we're doing all this stuff, and I've been following the updates, and um, this moment happens. I get this tap on my shoulder. I turn around, and just walking, with no help, is Livia. And I, I just. I didn't say a word. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I needed that miracle. Because I, I didn't believe. I was like the doubters in the story, right? Laughing at, at, at Jesus. Like, you can go save that girl. I tell you what, I'm never going to forget that. And I never want you to forget this. What you just saw. Because Jesus does have power and he can heal. Do you believe that he, he, he's in control? Jesus has that type of power. Don't be afraid of my power, just believe. Okay, third one, Jesus, true healing. You could say, Daniel, that's all great. Hearing about uh, Livy being healed and, and the purr, that's great. Okay, but I've been praying a long time for things in my life, and there's been no healing. I've been praying for uh, my family members with cancer, and there has been no healing. And we've walked to the gravesite. One of the tragic parts of this Livia story is many of you knew Paige, who didn't survive. So, why? How, how do you deal with that? How do you wrestle with that? This passage teaches us something about how Jesus views death. When, he, when, you, when you are a believer in Christ, 
as Paige was. When she died, she, she didn't die. She fell asleep. And maybe Jesus didn't, um, he didn't, he didn't raise her in that moment. He didn't heal her in that moment. But she passed through to the other side. And do you know who she saw on the other side? She saw her Savior who has power over death. Why can, can she pass through to the other side? Because Jesus has, has healed us from, from the greater sickness, greater than the physical sickness. He's healed our spiritual sickness. When we've rebelled against God, when we've walked away from him at all times, Jesus comes and he reconciles us again with himself, with the Father. So spiritually, we are sick people. We rebel and God in his mercy and his grace comes and heals us. And this passage teaches us that there's true healing that is found in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus healed our spiritual state, we never have to die again. Jesus, he experienced death on the cross for you, for me. But three days later, he rose up and he defeated death. And Jesus becomes the first person who will never die again. Each one of us here as morbid, morbid as it sounds, we're going to die. Death's toll is 100%. <laughs> 100 for 100. 1,000 for... Every person will die. But if you're, if you're a believer here tonight, you, you don't really die. You just fall asleep. And you, you find your Savior on the other side because of the true healing that happened, because of the cross. We believe in a God who's in complete control, who's sovereign over all things. Jesus is in complete control of this, of all of this. And because of that, because he has taken care of us in, in our physical needs, and maybe he hasn't, because he's taken care of our spiritual need and that, that spiritual gap, we can look forward to the day where we see him face to face, where there's no more tears. There, there will not be any pain all will be made right. Everything bad will become untrue because of Jesus. He has power and control over this life. And he has power and control over death. And he has power and control over eternal life. Do you trust him? Do you believe that he can truly heal? He's up to way more than we could ever imagine. And one day we will sing his praises for eternity. And what we're going to do is we're going to take communion in a moment. And we're actually going to remember that. And we're going to come forward and we're going to, we're going to the bread represents the, the symbol, right? The physical symbol of Jesus Christ and, and, and the, the cup representing uh, his blood. And so we're going to come and we're going to take part of that. And there's just three things I want to say. Um, this meal uh, of remembrance, uh, the Bible will put kind of parameters and just give some instructions. So let me just get that to you really quick. First one is this: uh, this is a meal for someone if you are um, if you're a believer in Christ, if you place your trust in Christ. Okay, it's a family meal, so we call ourselves uh, a family, and so this is the family table. So if you're a believer, uh, we invite you to come up. If you have not yet trusted Christ, um, we just invite you to uh, just just watch. 
And, and if you're a skeptic, just, just see what we do, okay? Observe. You're, you're welcome here, and you come back, and you keep listening, and you keep seeing how we do this, and be a part of our community, and get your questions a- answered. The second thing, though, is you don't come to the family dinner table uh, with an argument, okay? If you haven't made something right with someone else here, or someone else who is in the family of God, we also would ask that you just stay back until you make that right. The third thing I'll say is this is not a meal about how great you've done and that you have to attain anything. It's about those who believe in Jesus and remember that. And so I want to invite you to maybe make this your first communion, okay? This could be the very first time you say, I'm going to place my trust in Jesus, and I'm going to, um, I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to trust with my life. I want, to, I, want to, I want to fall in the days of my life. I want to die with him. I want to be raised with him on that last day and be with him eternally. Um, that is who we love and that is who we serve. So we're gonna, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm just going to pray for us, okay? Father, this evening I'm thankful for all the things that we've seen and uh, your word, how we, um, we see your power and we see your tenderness. Jesus, you are um, you're far greater than we could ever imagine. You're far more um, magnificent, yet you come to our level and you meet us where we are. And you're the true healer. And so, Lord, I ask that as we come for communion, we be reminded of that. And, Lord, as we have the prayer team on the sides, would people come forward believing that you can heal? And would we, would we pray for one another in worship, Lord, in reverent worship to you? We love you. We thank you for this evening. We ask that you could just continue to guide us uh, and hold us in your hands. You are a good God. And we will praise your name all the days of our lives. And everybody said, Amen.